Let's turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. A famous scripture needs no introduction. It's probably the most powerful prophecy we have in terms of the return, I mean, the first coming of the Lord, God manifesting the flesh. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Today, with the help of the Lord, I'll share a message entitled, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Praise God. I want you to notice, uh, first of all, the scripture says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Can we say, unto us? Jesus is for us. Amen. He's not for angels. Angels love Jesus. But he was not born for angels. He's born for us. So this Christmas, remember your greatest gift. Whether you believe in Christmas or celebrating or not, or you receive gifts or not, is not the issue. The issue is, if you want to celebrate Christmas, well, I hope you understand, you celebrate the fact that unto us, the greatest gift that God gave you and me is Jesus. All other births on this earth are not for you and me. Even your child, if you have children, they're not born for you. Yeah? Ultimately, I mean, you may say, well, that's my child. Man. But you don't owe that child. You don't own that child. That child belongs to God. But the only child ever born who was only designated for us, his name is Jesus. Praise God. Can you say, unto me, Jesus was born. My gift. This Christmas. My gift is Jesus. Amen. Cherish your gift. Treasure your gift. Praise God. For God so loved the world, so much he loved the world. Amen. That he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. I mean, what greater gift can you get or I get than that God prepares a body, his own son, his own flesh and blood. And he says, here, this birth is for you. This is your gift. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if there's anything that is special about this season, see, Jesus was not born around this time. That much is for sure. But what is for sure is that 
we, if you want to, you can make it a special time with the knowledge that Jesus was born unto me, unto us. Praise God. So remember, this son is given to us. He's given. It's a gift. He's born for us. He's given to us. He has many names, many titles. But today, I want to focus on the Prince of Peace. Praise God. You know, the Christmas season traditionally is associated with peace and quiet. We know that. At least that is what we have in the you know public imagination. Just think of the song, Holy Night, you know, Holy Night, Silent Night. So somehow we all begin to believe, and there is this discourse that it's a holy night, it's a silent night. There's just peace and tranquility. But in reality, we know that many people are so busy during Christmas. <laughs> They're so stressed. Last minute shopping, yeah, cooking, a turkey or whatever you, you know, you make uh, in Norway. They have uh, lamb. They have, uh, you know, uh, 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 pig roast. Uh, different, different, depending where you're from. So, I don't know what the Americans have, Turkey perhaps, or, and different strokes for different folks, but the point is, it's not necessarily a quiet time. It's It can be a very stressful time. Uh, and that is now more on a, you know, uh, banal kind of level. I'm talking about domestic life. I'm talking about the average families in the West that celebrate Christmas, you know, rush the huffing, puffing, etc. But on a more serious note, on a more somber, somber note, remember, peace is a distant dream for many people in the world today. Just consider the major wars today in Ukraine and Gaza, for instance. It becomes perverse to talk about holy night, silent night, when bombs are falling on people. Uh, many people may not live to see the new year. So as of today, as of speaking right now, there are over 110 wars and conflicts going on in the world. Let me repeat that. One 110 conflicts and wars going on in the world today, brothers and sisters. I want to tell you that we are very blessed in the countries that we live in in the West where we have peace. Don't take it for granted. Thank God. You know, it is not until we suffer and experience some problem that we begin to thank God when there is an absence of that problem. Now, for centuries, those who observe Christmas, thinking of the birth of the Lord in Bethlehem, thinking of shepherds, angels, wise men, attending, etc. All of these people are giving expression to the deepest felt hopes and dreams of humanity. Peace through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. What is 
the meaning of Christmas? What should it mean? I know Christmas means strange things. There are weird things to a lot of people. But if there is something we should focus on, if we are going to observe something called Christmas, then we need to understand the whole point, the whole the trappings, the hallmarks, the everything with Christmas is basically about the birth of Jesus promising peace to the world. The Prince of Peace has been born and has been given to the world. Praise God. Can we all agree to that and say amen? Christmas should mean, should remind us that God has promised peace to the world. Peace through Jesus Christ. The prince of peace. The word prince in Hebrew is not saying uh, the son of a king. It means the head. He is the chief of peace. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, if I was preaching to the people of Ukraine, I'm sure they would cry throughout this message. If I was preaching to the people of Gaza, it would be a very meaningful message. So we need to try to, you know, transplant ourselves, extend, project ourselves into those war-torn, miserable situations where if you ask a person on the streets of Ukraine, what would you want for Christmas? They would say peace. If you ask a child in Gaza, what would you want? The child would say peace. If you ask an Israeli today in Israel, what would you want for Christmas? Peace. I want peace. Praise God. Today, peace is a scarce value, is scarce commodity. It is, for many people, a distant, distant dream. And that's why we need to lift this message of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Amen. To the people who have no peace. Jesus Christ is your peace, the peace of the world. Amen. So the good news is that the people who look to Bethlehem, to shepherds, to angels, to wise men, the good news is they will not be disappointed expecting peace from Bethlehem. Peace from the one who was born in Bethlehem. God has promised the world peace through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us say, yes, he is my Prince of Peace. When he begins to reign, he, is, he will bring peace. And when Jesus reigns in your life, when you repent and are baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, you will experience Jesus as the Prince of Peace in your life. Hallelujah. But there are people who don't know that Jesus Christ is destined to be the Prince of Peace of their country, of their nation, of their tribes, of their families. Praise God. The Prince of Peace is coming soon. He came in the Holy Ghost. He's in us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. We have experienced his peace. We can tell you it's a real tangible peace. Hallelujah. Peace, the peace of Jesus. 
But we know that when he returns physically, he will impose his peace upon the world. Hallelujah. Nations that have known only war shall know peace through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Let us consider some ways in which this has been fulfilled, the peace of Jesus. Let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 42 to 44. Luke, chapter 19, verses 42 to 44. Luke writes, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave thee in one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Please pay attention to these scriptures today. According to Jesus, the Romans would not have invaded and destroyed Israel and the temple had the Jews embraced salvation through Jesus' name. This is not easy to, to say. But how else do we interpret the words of Jesus? Jesus said, If you had known the things which belong unto thy peace, somebody say with me, There are things which belong to my peace. What belongs to our peace, brothers and sisters? Say, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. If you embrace the salvation of Jesus, Peace belongs to you. Hallelujah. Peace becomes your inheritance. Peace becomes your right. Peace becomes your heritage. So this is what Jesus was telling Jerusalem. He was distressed. He said, if you knew the things that belong to thy peace, Jesus is your peace, Jerusalem. Why don't you receive him? Because if you don't, the prince of the Romans, another prince will come. If you reject the prince of peace, then Prince Titus will come from Rome and he will not show you peace. He will unleash fury and misery upon you. Which prince do we want today, brothers and sisters? The prince of peace or the prince of misery? I want the prince of peace. I don't want my city surrounded by Romans or, I don't know, Japanese, Chinese, Americans, whatever. No. I don't want to live under the threat of war. I want peace. The peace of Jesus. Hallelujah. Say, there is something which belongs to me. Say, say with me, something belongs to me, my peace. I have the right to peace through Jesus Christ. Say with me again, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Praise God. That's why 
The two go together. The child, Bethlehem, Isaiah 9, 6. The Prince of Peace, hallelujah. That's why that night in Bethlehem, there was peace. The angels sang. Yes, according to the Bible, it was a peaceful night. For those who came to worship that child. For those who believed in the scripture that said out of Bethlehem. There shall come forth unto me he that is to be ruler over the, all the earth. Hallelujah. Whose goings forth are from everlasting. From of old from everlasting. If you believe it then you will make your way to Bethlehem. To meet the child given to us. Born to us. Oh, hallelujah. Let me tell you, the people who celebrate Christmas, they, they don't know what they're doing. But there's a beautiful message then, if they stick to the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. When we travel, for some of us who are going to travel to Stockholm, I want you to travel like you're traveling to Bethlehem. Ah, can you say, that sounds good. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know, instead of being, sorry to say, plagued by old songs like Chris Rears, you know, you hear everywhere, driving home for Christmas. You know, you, you can't avoid these songs. They're everywhere. It's like, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a sad song. I don't know. It's got some tone to it. You hear it everywhere. Driving home. And Frank Sinatra, of course, pops up around this time. He's in every basically shopping mall or whatever it's uh, you know and they're dreaming still dreaming of a white Christmas and um, I don't think snow has anything to do with the birth of Jesus but okay if you love snow God bless you but uh, may you have plenty of snow and plenty of Jesus is what we are saying amen because snow will not give you peace a white Christmas will not give you peace but the prince of peace will give you peace hallelujah so when you Instead of hearing Chris Rhea sing, driving home for Christmas, say, I'm driving to Bethlehem. Hallelujah. I'm joining the wise men and the shepherds and all those who received invitations from angels. Hallelujah. I'm reenacting a 2,000-year-old tradition. I'm going to worship him, who is born king of the Jews and born king of the universe. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And this has nothing to do with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. God bless him. <laughs> Amen. But uh, Santa Claus and, you know, uh, reindeers, uh, you know, reindeer's nose glowing and stuff. And that's nice for children. But my point is, let me not mix up my message today with, <laughs> with all of the, these old, they're part of our childhood. I mean, I don't know what kind of childhood other people had, but yeah, it just tells you how, how colonized we are by the USA, yeah? It's, 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 uh, it's Hollywood and USA that still dominates our imagination. But, but the point is this. I mean, here in Norway, that's all they hear. Chris Rea and Rudolph, the Red Rose, Reindeer and Scuffin. In Norway. So, uh, but the point is, let's go back to Isaiah 9-6. Let's, amen, tell our children about Jesus, not Santa Claus. Let's tell our children about the true story of Bethlehem. That it's about the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. That we came and gave him gifts, but the truth is there's no gift that can, 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 can compare 
with the gift of Jesus. Jesus is God's gift to us. Say, he's my gift. You know, I always love, whenever I'm praying or worshiping, I find myself saying, Jesus, you belong to me. You are mine. You are my inheritance. You are my heritage. You are mine. Hallelujah. I can share him with you, but I have my Jesus. Say, <laughs> say you have your Jesus. It's the same Jesus, but there is enough of him for everyone. Praise God. And I'm glad there's enough of him to go around. Praise Jesus. Amen. So, Let's continue. So we have to understand, brothers and sisters. In other words, wars and conflicts are the result of rejecting the principles. Amen. This is saying something. This is a powerful declaration. If only nations and individuals would pay attention to Jesus, we would not have 110 armed conflicts in the world today. And we say amen. Notice what the Lord said again. The things which belong unto thy peace. Because he is the Prince of Peace. If you allow Jesus to come into your house, I'm telling you, he will impose his peace upon your house. If you allow him to enter when he's knocking at the door of your heart, because there's a, there's a storm in your heart, there's chaos maybe in your life, and Jesus is knocking saying, can I come in? To establish my peace in here. Hallelujah. Just open the door. And I'll take care of the disturbance. The anxiety. The stress. The depression. I will rebuke the storm in your life. I will say peace be still. Hallelujah. Just let Jesus come in. Amen. Open the door. How long will you refuse to open the door to Jesus? Jesus is not a burglar. He's not a thief. He will stand outside and knock. The sad thing is that scripture in the book of Revelation chapter 3 was said to the church of Laodicea. Imagine Jesus told, it was not until I went to Laodicea that I realized Jesus was not in the church of Laodicea. He was outside knocking on the door. Behold, said, I stand and knock at the door. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to suffer. Laodicea, Jesus was not in that church. God have mercy. We may call ourselves church and Jesus is not in that church. I remember years ago going to India and there was a church. They just called them CNI. It was a denominational church, CNI. I, I just asked them one day, I asked the brothers, the apostolic brothers of me, what does CNI stand for, by the way? They looked at me with a, you know, with a sneer and said, uh, it stands for Christ, not inside. <laughs> and we all laughed because it's sad to say it was totally dead. Actually, it stood for something else. Church of North India, CNI. But they call it Christ, not inside. What a tragedy it is when a house or a church or a home, or a soul, is CNI. Christ not inside. God have mercy. Make sure the Prince of Peace is in you. Hallelujah. So, let me continue. Through Jesus Christ, we have the right to peace. It belongs to us because we have embraced the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. 
peace, brothers and sisters, is not just the absence of conflict and war, but the peace that Jesus Christ gives us. It's not the absence of war. We call that a, a truce, yeah? That's declared a truce. They want cessation of hostilities now in Gaza. But that is not peace. Cessation is not peace. A truce is not peace. Let me tell you what is peace. Let's turn to John chapter 14 and verse 27. John 14 and verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Praise God. Can we say amen? Note carefully that Jesus' peace is not of this world. In other words, one cannot know the true meaning of peace until one comes to Jesus. The peace of Jesus is not available anywhere else in this world. Only through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Can we say amen? Lord, give us forevermore that peace. The woman, the Samaritan woman told the Lord, give me, give me this water so that I don't have to come to this place. And today we should tell Jesus, give us your peace. Amen. Forevermore. Jesus has water. He has peace. He's the bread of life. He's everything. Amen. So, how do we define Christian peace? I try to summarize it in this fashion. Christian peace is a state or condition in which born-again Christians experience heavenly happiness because their sins have been forgiven. And they live lives defined by friendship, love, and harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. Christian peace is a state or condition in which born-again Christians experience heavenly happiness because their sins have been forgiven. And they live lives defined by friendship, love, and harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. According to the Apostle Paul, this peace, which has its source in Jesus, cannot be understood through human reason. That's why I'm struggling to explain to you what that peace is. You have to experience it. You have to go to Bethlehem, a man, so to speak. Jesus must be in you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. There you go. The peace of God which passeth all understanding. That means there is no understanding, no book, no philosophy, no nothing that can explain this peace to you. So the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, praise Jesus. This is the peace that passeth all understanding. You know, when a person has the peace of Jesus, you just know they have the peace of Jesus. It's, it's indescribable. You can't explain it. That's why Christians cannot stop witnessing. We tell people, please, let me tell you about Jesus because I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to have the joy that I have. I want you to 
have that smile that Jesus puts on my face. You know, I find that smiling for me comes easy with Jesus. I find it otherwise quite difficult, artificial, when it comes to smiling in public. It's weird. It's like I try to smile to be polite. <laughs> but when the spirit of Jesus comes over me, it's the most natural smile. I, I cannot but smile. The presence of Jesus makes me smile. Do you want to know what a Holy Ghost smile looks like? Just feel the Holy Ghost and smile. Hallelujah. Jesus' peace makes you smile. When a person has no peace, only depression, they can't smile. You can even see if they try to smile, it's the most depressed smile in the world. God have mercy. Just feel sorry for the person. You want to tell them, please, please don't smile. Don't, don't, don't make that effort. It costs a lot of energy, emotional, mental energy for a depressed person to smile. It, it seems like they really have to put so much effort into it. It takes like 5,000 calories to, to bring forth that smile. But once the Holy Ghost come upon you, it takes two calories to smile. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I don't know why I'm into calories here. Praise. But for those counting calories, I don't, by the way. Amen. I, I just live in the joy of the Lord. I enjoy the land flowing with milk and honey. You may say the milk and honey has a lot of sugar, but the Lord said, it's, he's taking me to that land. Let me enjoy some cake and some ice cream. I don't, don't overdo it. Amen. But, but thank God for these things. Hallelujah. Amen. I imagine living in a world without these things. Uh, the point is, I know Jesus has something better in heaven. Praise God. But the point is, uh, we believe with Christ there is peace. And you feel that peace. You feel it in your face. You feel it in your hands. You feel it in your feet. And most of all, you feel it in your spirit. Hallelujah. It's the most beautiful thing. The peace of Jesus. When I feel that peace, I always say, Lord, it belongs to me. It's my inheritance. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's continue. So far, I have spoken about wars and conflicts and showed how the peace of Jesus is the solution. Amen. Make no mistake. The United Nations is not going to bring peace. They can call themselves united, but they're not as united as they like to, to think they are. Uh, the point is, I'm not attacking the United Nations. They do a lot of good. But my point is, just because you say we are the United Nations doesn't mean you're going to bring peace to the world. Peace is the domain of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. So let's talk <coughs> about other ways that Jesus brings peace. You see, we should not think that only conflicts bring peace. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, deny peace. We know that also many humans throughout the ages, countless millions have experienced distress, anxiety because of natural catastrophes. Have you thought about it? Do you know that one storm can do damage that is equivalent to dropping a at atom bomb? One storm, bang. So according to one source, there are 6,800 natural disasters that happen every year worldwide. 6,800 natural disasters. 
every year. There are just 300 uh, 200 countries in the world, roughly. And we are being hit by 6,800 natural disasters. Sadly, when humans rebelled against God, the earth rebelled against humans. Let me repeat this. Humans need to understand. When we are living in rebellion against God, then the earth will rebel against us. Because the earth works with Jesus, not with humans. If humans rebel against God, the earth will rebel against humans. Note how God judged Pharaoh. Did you know that the judgments of Pharaoh were through the earth, mostly? Undrinkable water, the river Nile, turned to blood. Flies, frogs, darkness. What is that? Chaos. God did not create the world, the na nature and creatures to be, you know, in chaos. Night was separated from day. When we live in order, in peace with God, the night will be separated from the day. But in the case of Pharaoh, the night, day became night. The river turned to blood. Frogs should not be in houses and palaces. So God is trying to tell us, brothers and sisters, if you live in harmony with his will, he will tell the earth to be at peace with you. Ah, somebody say amen. I, I, I don't want a disaster, a natural disaster. You know, when you, they call it the acts of God, even in the UK. When you fill out a form, send it to the insurance company, they have a term for these disasters. Act of God. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily that God told the earth to do it, but generally, ever since humans were in rebellion against God, you know, wh why, why, why am I saying this? Well, when God said, when he finished creation, it is very good, surely there were no earthquakes. Can we say amen? Surely there were no avalanches. Surely there were no famines. Certainly there were no floods. The flood was something new. So do you see what I'm trying to say? That biblically speaking, natural disasters are a result of human rebellion against God. Can we say amen if you agree to it? I hope I'm not coming with a new, positing a new theory. I believe that the earth belongs to God. If God tells the earth to behave, it will behave. Praise God. But when Pharaoh repented, the earth behaved itself. Can we say amen? Praise God. He said, oh, I'm sorry. God said, go and drink your clean water from the river Nile. Thank God, he said. Oh, every source of water turned to blood. Imagine turning on your tap and blood comes up. You go to flush the toilet, blood. Everywhere, blood. You know that, uh, that clock will be ticking because human beings can't live without water for long. We have so much to be thankful for. The God who made heaven and earth, he, if he wanted, he could have destroyed us a long time ago with the earth. He did it once. He put a rainbow to tell us, never again. 
I can't do it. He can use, but the next time he returns, he will use fire to destroy the earth. Don't take God's earth for granted. Let's look to the Prince of Peace and thank him. Prince of Peace. You want peace with the earth? Amen. I don't want the earth to swallow me tomorrow. I don't, I don't want to open the door, go out, and a sinkhole opens up and swallows me. No, no, no. I don't want a giant uh, hail to fall from the sky and knock me cold. You know, if God wants, we take things for granted. The atheist in his arrogance, or her arrogance, goes out and says, oh, I trust in the power of the Big Bang to put, keep everything in its place. But make sure there will be no Big Bang. That will happen right now to you. God have mercy. Um, I don't want to threaten atheists, but I'm just saying, it's amazing how much faith they have that everything is going to continue as it used to. Well, a million things can go wrong. You have so much faith in the power of evolution and Big Bang to keep you safe. Be careful. Let's be humble before God. So, the earth can be a terrible place if God commands the earth to rebel against us. This is a true story. Some years ago in Colombia, the country of Colombia, there was an acute epidemic of drugs, crime, and killings. It was said that the situation was so bad that even the birds and the animals left the areas where these problems were most prevalent. Listen to me. I saw the documentary. It was shocking. It's like the animals left. There was so much sin in that place. The animal said, we are leaving, goodbye. Sometime later, there was a revival of the gospel in these areas. Medellin, Colombia, it's not synonymous with drugs. And, but then the stadiums were being packed with people repenting, serious repentance, hundreds of thousands. And guess what? Suddenly, the birds and animals began to return to the place that they had earlier abandoned. Nature works faithfully with its creator. Can we say amen? God made the earth to bless us as long as we bless him. But if we don't thank him, if we hate him and we do evil things, even the earth will not want to have anything to do with us. We need to go back to the Prince of Peace. I want to encourage young people, if there are any around here, you know, when I used to study biology, chemistry, physics, in the beginning, I, I, I didn't like these subjects. You know, I, I love to study human beings. I'm a professor of pedagogy today, not uh, the hard sciences. But when I came to the Lord, I realized I'm actually studying the world that God made. Biology is what? It's what God made. He chose the shape of human beings. He chose the shape of animals. He chose the way the sun would look in the stars. He chose the way water and the earth would look. There's nothing that said it should look that way. God decided. So when you study chemical reactions in, chemi in chemistry, when you study Boyle's law in physics and others, uh, just know that you are studying the creation of God. I remember... Around that time, I first came across Isaac Newton's law, you know, with velocity. And 
And I was a bit upset. I said, what, what do you mean by Isaac Newton's law? This is God's law. What is that? Isaac Newton discovered what God did. We should call it God's law, which Isaac Newton discovered. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a little fanatical in those days. So I was irritated by the science books. And I would talk to myself and say, I hope Isaac Newton, he believed in God. I hope he was, he asked the Lord to forgive him that they named this law after him. He just discovered God's law. Give glory to Jesus. So if you discovered some, uh, you know, the periodic table in chemistry, plutonium and radium, what's her name? Uh, Marie Curie. If you didn't know this, here's a little bit of free general information, general knowledge. Marie Curie was a woman who won the Nobel Prize and she won it for chemistry. She, science, she discovered some, you know, uh, what we call elements in nature, which was put on in the periodic table in chemistry. I don't want to become too technical here, but you can read about it. She suffered. She was ignored by the men in those days over 100 years ago. But she was a tough lady, which shows that God uses anybody, man, woman. And she's from Poland today. She's on the currency note of Poland. She's the pride of Poland, a brilliant scientist. So, okay, I forgot how I got into Marie Curie. That's the problem of professors. They go here and there, and then I need to stick, stick to the Prince of Peace. Praise God. So the message of Christmas extends good news of peace in the future in this area, in the area of who controls the storms? Let's shout Jesus. Who controls famines? Say Jesus. Who controls earthquakes? Say Jesus. And every other natural disaster. Only God can rebuke the Red Sea. And only God can rebuke the Sea of Galilee. Hallelujah. And he did it. It says in the book of Psalms 106 verse 9. Psalm 106 verse 9. And he said unto them, Why are ye faithful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Praise God. So in the Old Testament, God rebuked the Red Sea. In the New Testament, he rebuked the Sea of Galilee and both obeyed God. The one opened up to let the people of God go through and the other was calm and did not drown the boat that Jesus was in. Amen. He is the Prince of Peace of a nature. Say he's the Prince of Peace of a nature. You see, right now, this, this part of the message may not make much sense to you, but just think about the countless millions over the years. I think people in the USA, in the Gulf areas of the US would understand this message better. How many times are you all threatened by hurricanes with increasing intensity and velocity hitting the coasts of the US, bringing untold damage? It's always horrible, the hurricane season. Flattens whole areas, towns. I mean, uproots everything. Tornadoes. It's terrible. So may God comfort anyone who has experienced this. Whenever this happens, say Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 
the God who rebuked the Red Sea, the God who rebuked the Sea of Galilee, will also take care of my storm. Amen. Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 27. Ezekiel 34 verse 27 says, And the tree of the field shall yield of fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and that they shall be safe in their land, and shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke, and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them. Hallelujah. The tree of the field shall yield of fruit. The earth shall yield increase. They shall be safe in their land. Somebody said they shall be safe. God is promising safety to those who love him. He's the prince of peace. He will not allow the earth to rebel against us. Amen. So, so far, we have spoken about wars and how Jesus is the prince of peace in wars. I've now spoken about natural disasters and how Jesus is a prince of peace in natural disasters because the apostles said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Praise God. So if you're experiencing a physical storm, Jesus is the prince of peace in your physical storm. Amen. In your natural disaster. But the third area in which the message of Christmas extends good news of peace is also when we think about the physical body. Everybody say physical body. Yes, now we are talking. Praise God. Is Jesus the Prince of Peace for my bodily ailments? Of course. Anything that takes away your peace is the enemy of Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace over physical illnesses of every sort. Diseases and illnesses are evidence of the rebellion of Adam. Diseases and illnesses are evidence of the rebellion of Adam. I can tell you as I sit here today, and for this reason, I'll, I'll ask Brother Simon once we finish to, to allow me to, to rest. Uh, I, 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 12 years ago, I had a serious slip disc in my back. And for the last many months, it completely disappeared. And I was thanking the Lord for the healing. But this morning I woke up and it's like it hit with 500% uh, intensity again. <laughs> so I'm just uh, just bearing the pain. Uh, but it's very difficult to move around. And But I'm, I, I myself need a touch from the Lord and uh, keep me in your prayer. So forgive me for that. But this is very relevant for me right now. You see... Whenever we feel we're okay, and I normally enjoy good health, perhaps this is the only problem I have with my health, uh, but the Lord allows these things to happen once in a while to remind us, amen, that he is our healer. He is our peace. And I can tell you when such things happen, you can't do anything. You just think only about that ache, that pain. And somebody like me who doesn't take medicines, don't really believe in medicines, not in a bad way, but... I like to live natural and trust in the Lord for my healing, but I can tell you, it takes away your peace. So let's talk about it. You see, as the children of Adam, we carry the legacy of his rebellion against God in our mortal and fragile bodies. That's a problem. This is proof we are the children of Abraham. Whenever your body, you feel a sharp pain, some physical ailment, remember 
This is God's way of reminding us. Because God didn't make us this way. Adam knew no disease. God never made a, a doctor along with, uh, he didn't make a clinic together with Adam. Yeah. There's no medicine. He didn't say from this tree, you know, you can cure your headaches. This is uh, the, the aspirin tree. Yeah. And this is the anesthesia tree, tree. There were no such things in the Garden of Eden. We were not made to become sick, brothers and sisters. We were not made to be down with the flu. What is that? God didn't look at it and say, oh, good. This creature I've just created will at times be down with the flu. We'll get headaches on and off. And unfortunately, serious diseases. How can God say this is very good? You know, when God made Adam, I would have loved to have met that Adam. A man made to live forever. No headache, no stomachache, no feet aching or back pain, nothing. Perfection, the perfect creation on two feet. Praise God. So we need to remember how it was in the beginning. There is hope even in this fear. Jesus carried our diseases in his own body on the cross of Golgotha. And now his blood is available for our healing in Jesus' name. Please. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, Isaiah 53 verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Somebody say, with. With. I used to hear people say, by his stripes. No, with his stripes. That means together, with his stripes, there was healing for us. So anytime a Christian has to face the cut of the surgeon's knife, remember Jesus' body was cut up for us. Hallelujah. Let me repeat that. Anytime a Christian has to face the cut of the surgeon's knife. Remember Jesus' body was cut up for us. Oh, hallelujah. We, you don't need to fear meeting the, a surgeon. Remember with every cut, Jesus was cut for you. With his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Every time we face a sharp and numbing pain in our bodies, remember Jesus screamed in pain when he was whipped for us. I can tell you the whole day I was just writhing in agony. And with each shout, <laughs> I shout, Jesus, hallelujah. You took my pain upon you. So indeed, the chastisement of our peace was upon you. You know, I love the the simple modern way the New Living Translation puts Isaiah 53, 5. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Wow. Why was Jesus beaten? For our healing. So we may be whole. So I told Jesus today, I'm not supposed to be this way, Lord. Because if I continue to be this way, then you were beaten for no reason. Your suffering cannot be in vain, Jesus. So heal me. Amen. 
And I, I'm telling you honestly, I'm not saying this to him because of anything else, except I really and truly believe Jesus was beaten for my healing. So it won't make sense if I'm not healed. It's like, it's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. <laughs> because I believe you suffered for my healing. So show it now. And show it in the life of anyone who needs healing. Because by healing them, you will prove that you suffered for, for us. Your sufferings were not for you. It's for us. When Jesus said, not my will be done, but thine. He's, he's not rebellious. He's God. He can't rebel against himself. It's our will that he is subduing. It's our rebellion that he's fighting against and subduing. I preached once a message saying the greatest, the most difficult thing that God fought against is not Satan. Satan, Jesus rebukes, he goes away. Do you know what the greatest, most biggest challenge, the greatest opponent for Jesus is? It's our will. Our will. Say, my will is a big problem. Did you ever see Jesus struggling in the Bible? No. No problem. Except at the garden of, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Our will, brothers. Say, me. I am the problem, Jesus. I, my will. What is the biggest headache Jesus has? Ask a father or mother what is the biggest headache they have with a stubborn child. Next, sing. Their stubbornness. Ah, if only I could change their mind, their will. Why are they so stupid? Can you imagine God looking at us from the beginning of time saying, why are they so rebellious? Why are they so strong-willed? Why are they so stiff-necked? God have mercy. So Jesus had to be beaten because of our, because of our self-will, our selfishness. May God help us. That's why it's a blessing. When a child submits to the parents, it's a great blessing for that child. The parents bless that child. And when we submit to Jesus, see how happy Jesus will be. It's like he wants to thank us. Thank you for doing what you're supposed to do. Amen. <laughs> because self-will is such a horrible thing. So he was whipped so we could be healed, brothers and sisters. If you have lost your peace because of physical pain or disease, would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Shall we pray? Just say simply, Lord, you were beaten and whipped for my healing. Take my pain upon you again, Lord Jesus. Take my pain upon you. And once again, confirm the scriptures that say that you were bruised, you were, you were beaten for me. It's not for yourself. Jesus, you did not need healing for yourself. You had no sickness in your body. It's we who are sick. It's we who feel physical pain. Heal us, Jesus, because we believe your sufferings were for us, Jesus, not for you. And say, Amen. Amen. Receive it in Jesus' name by faith. So now we have talked about Jesus being the Prince of Peace when it comes to conflicts and wars. Jesus being our peace when it comes to natural disasters and Jesus being our peace when it comes to physical healing. Now, let's talk about the final day when Jesus will come to this earth and impose his peace upon the world physically. 
Say, what a day, what a day, what a day that will be. So finally, the day will come. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. Oh, hallelujah. I trust you me, we need some rebuke. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. If Siskaminot could be kind enough to pull up those pictures from the United Nations. Outside the United Nations, there's a monument, which is actually uh, expressing Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. That's what it's doing. There is, outside the United Nations, New York headquarters, a statue of a man beating a sword into a plowshare. Where did they get this from? Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Thank you. Right there. Do you see that man beating the sword into a plowshare? That is outside New York, United Nations. Most people don't know where that is from. But underneath, do you see the script? So first we can see the statue. And after that, you can see the inscription. So this is it. Here is a man beating a sword into a plowshare. That means weapons of offense and murder and killing will be turned into uh, agricultural implements for peaceful purposes. The nations will not learn war again. They will forget. We will be ignorant to war because of Jesus. Somebody shout amen, hallelujah. You see what no country, no education system can do in the world today. No one can shut down the military academies of this world today. Only Jesus. Only the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. So, the day is coming, brothers and sisters. Those who, have, who know what war is. I thank God I've never been in a war situation. But some of you have been. And you can see that inscription underneath this monument. It says, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4, the same Scripture we just read. Amen. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Oh, hallelujah. And shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Wow. Think about it. A day when no mother will hear her child say, Mother, I'm going to join the military. No mother will cry at a coffin returning from Afghanistan or Iraq, Iraq or anywhere. Hot spots in the world today. Ukraine, no. That will be a thing of the past. Thanks to Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Prince of Peace. Thank you, sister. So we have great promises through Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. What a great promise. What a great promise is ahead of us. Amen. Jesus will be physically and visibly king over all the earth. Isaiah 9, 7 shall be fulfilled. The government shall be upon his shoulder. 
He will impose his peace on every nation and individual. What a beautiful day that will be. Nations will never learn war again. The last war in the history of humankind will be Armageddon, where Jesus will defeat the forces that have been causing war and violence ever since the first human, the first uh, human Abel was killed. That means the first person who was ever killed in the history of humanity is Abel, violently murdered. Since then, millions and billions there will be no more murders. There will be no more assault, no more battery, no more rape, no more crimes against children, no more verbal violence even. That is why it is a sin not to desire the return of Jesus quickly. Amen. It's a sin. For some, if somebody doesn't want Jesus to return, it's a sin. The Bible says the uh, desire. Amen. Of all nations shall come. Imagine that. The desire of all nations. Who can that be? The desire of all nations. Turn with me in Haggai. Haggai, the prophet, chapter 2, verse 7 says, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. Oh, who can that be? Say Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Wow, what a beautiful scripture. First, he will shake all nations at Armageddon. And then they will see the desire of all nations. First, the, he will shake all nations, bring them to come again. Jesus will come. The desire of all nations. You know, today the world doesn't even know that they desire Jesus. When they see what he will do, they will know. Amen. Let me conclude with 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 8, 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. The Apostle Paul says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. Henceforth, there is a laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Can you say, love his appearing? If you love the appearing of Jesus, you will get a crown of righteousness, a Stephanos. So let us say, Maranatha, Jesus. Come quickly, Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly, Jesus. Maranatha, Prince of Peace. So let me conclude by saying this Christmas season, let us meditate on this message of peace in Jesus. Come, Prince of Peace. Come. Bring peace to the nations. Bring peace to nature. They have all these climate conferences. The earth is in trouble. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I'm not saying we shouldn't do our part with, with climate change. I believe climate change is driven by human activity. If you don't believe it, just go to some countries like India and China. And you, you'll be a strong believer, trust me. When you see 3 billion people, close to 3 billion people, uh, you know, just the, the human activity, the scale of carbon dioxide emissions, of, you know, uh, polluting the water and the air. I mean, come on, it's clear that there are, there are places, cities like New Delhi uh, and Lahore in Pakistan where the quality of air is so bad that 10% of the people have asthma. So, so how can we deny? And and all this 
carbon dioxide, of course, forms a, has a greenhouse gas effect, and it, it traps the heat of, uh, of the sun. And that, of course, speeds up the, you know, the temperature of the earth. So please, I beg you, uh, don't be cheated by anybody. This is science. God is a God of science. There are people who have their own agendas with these things. This is not an ideology. I, I believe in science because God is a God of science. And science clearly shows us that we are ourselves uh, speeding up the dis destruction of our own planet. God told us to take care of this planet, not destroy it. I've preached that before. So it's a shame when Christians and the church has been attacked for not being interested in uh, climate change. So especially the poor nations are suffering more. There are some countries becoming uninhabitable. But I'm still saying while we do our part, I'm under no illusion that only Jesus ultimately will bring peace to the earth. During the millennium, Jesus will reverse the damage caused by human beings. We will no longer damage this earth, undermine. The earth belongs to God. He will take care of his earth once we are at peace with him. So anyone hearing this message, whether here or anywhere else, say, so men and brethren, what shall we do? I don't want you to just say, oh, that's a nice sermon, nice message. God bless you. No. Repent, as the Apostle Peter said. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Ghost? God is one. He was spirit in the beginning. Spirit. Why does he need a body? He doesn't need a body. But God was manifested in a body, in a flesh, his own flesh, made of his own word. His word was begotten and became a body. And God, the Spirit, entered that body. Why did he do this? Because the Bible says we rebelled against God. We sinned against God. And the Bible says there must be the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. It's not enough to just say, sorry, God. God told Adam, the day you sin, you will die. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. God is so merciful. He, we committed the sin and he is punished for it. How about this? How can we not say he's, he's an amazing God? Normally, if you, you know, you, you commit the crime, you do the time. We commit the crime and God does the time. How about that? So, brothers and sisters, there's no way we can neglect so great a salvation. We must repent. We owe it to him. He's so good. I've often said to the Lord, Lord, you are so good. I have to do this for you. I have to. Your goodness compels me. I, I know what goodness is. If we don't, we are reprobates. We, we are in trouble. There are people who don't even know when somebody is nice and kind to them. We should know the goodness of God. It, it brings me to my knees. The goodness of God stops me in my tracks. It makes me fall prostrate on the ground. I have the greatest respect for the goodness of God. I bless him with all my heart, mind and soul. His good and his mercy endures forever. So why don't you 
accept his salvation. There is no God except Jesus. He's the only God. There is no God outside of the name Jesus. In that name is found everything that is God. Outside that name is nothing. Because God is one. It's the greatest command. Hallelujah. All that we want. Beginning with salvation. It is found in Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Have faith in that name. Apply that name to your soul. Save yourself from this perverse generation Peter preached. By applying this name upon your soul. Repent in this name. Be baptized in this name. And receive the Holy Ghost in this name. Hallelujah. And you will be safe. Praise God. Can we pray to the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Be saved and have peace with him. In Jesus name. Lord we thank you for this message. Where two or more are gathered in your name. You're there in their midst. My God, we just bless you. Whatever we've preached, no matter how powerful or how amazing we think, does not do justice to you, to your greatness, to your goodness. We come short in trying to do justice to your greatness. Forgive us for our feebleness. Forgive me for this feeble effort. You deserve more, my God. You deserve more. We bless you with all our hearts, our minds, our souls. And we say, Lord, have mercy upon those who hear this message. I pray that they will, this Christmas season, make their way to Bethlehem, so to speak. Return to that place where the great prophecies of Isaiah 9-6 and the Micah 5-2 were fulfilled unto us. This child is born. Unto us the son is given. You're our gift, Lord Jesus. You're my Christmas gift this Christmas, Jesus. We receive you. We rejoice in this gift. We invite you to be the Prince of Peace this season, in the new year, and in 2024. We dare not open the door to 2024 without Jesus going ahead of us. Go ahead of us and and pronounce your peace upon 2024 right now in Jesus' name. Bless 2024 ahead of us, Jesus. Hallelujah. Rebuke the enemy ahead of us in 2024, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Bring peace to the places where there are wars. Bring healing to where there are natural disasters and physical healing. And help us to keep alive the promise of Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. That you are coming. And nations will not learn war again. Maranatha Jesus. The Prince of Peace who will put an end to all, all wars. The government will be upon your shoulder. Oh hallelujah. We welcome that day. Help us to love your appearing so we do not lose our crowns. Jesus hallelujah. I bless you, I bless you abundantly with all my heart, mind and soul today. Glory be to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And the church says, Amen. Jesus bless you abundantly.